When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving higher in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher time and time again. Through the years you'll find a seat. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by AgDirect. I've got Tanner M. Key from CoBank on here with us again to talk about what's happening. Tanner was out on the Pro Farmer uh, crop tour here earlier this week, so Tanner's going to give us his uh, rundown of what he saw out there as he made the trip through uh, the ice states and the Corn Belt looking at corn and soybeans. So, Tanner, how you doing, man? Good, Casey. Good to be back with you. I'm glad to have you back, man. So, I guess... What what legs were you on of this so World Wind Tour? I was on the Western the Lake Tour uh, that started in okay. Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and uh, that kind of winds down to Nebraska, eastern half of Nebraska, and then we also did western or the western half of Iowa, and then Minnesota, and we ended up in Rochester, which is where I'm at right now. Right on. Okay. All right, so I followed along the, the crop tour as things came out and things got posted and kind of watched what was going on. And really, if you kind of look at, if you bookend the uh, the middle of the Corn Belt, there were some pretty decent outliers out, out there. Um, but as you got more towards the middle part, you started looking like Minnesota and Iowa and Illinois and Indiana and those kind of places. It was just a mixed bag of variability. You know, there was... Really, really good stuff, really, really bad stuff. So I guess 
from boots on the ground perspective, what do you see on the Western Lake? Well, we started out in South Dakota, like I said, and South Dakota was just mm -hmm. phenomenal compared to where it was last year. Uh, that's not right. saying much because last year was a disaster. Um, but the uh, the ear counts and the, the corn yield estimates that we came up with and the pod counts for soybeans uh, put us up above the three-year average for South Dakota, so a very strong start to the tour. And then everything just kind of and, and, uh, fell backwards uh, from there. Mm -hmm. uh, Nebraska had is you know, is a mixed bag because it's about sixty percent irrigated, forty percent dry mm -hmm. land, and the irrigated it's hanging in there. Uh, it's doing doing okay. Um, I mean nothing phenomenal. I mean it's still dealing with heat, and uh, sure. they've been running those irrigation pivots all season long. They started out dry. Uh, they had to run those irrigation pivots from the very beginning, and now they're still running it. And as a matter of fact, when, when we were in Nebraska, they, uh, they had to shut the irrigation pivots off, uh, or rather the irrigation pivots were shut off for them uh, because the uh, power company had to uh, stop uh, electricity, uh, had, had to shut down the electricity because of overload on the system because it was 100 and some yep. degrees that day. So there were there were some there were periods there where the crop needed a drink, but I wasn't getting it uh, because it was so hot. And the irrigators couldn't run their uh, pivots. Uh, the dry land crop in uh, Nebraska is really in trouble, uh, especially well for corn and beans, but really beans. Uh, beans right now are made in the month of August, and it's hot and dry, and uh, there's not a lot of moisture down there below the subsoil uh, to carry those beans through. Uh, for the corn, uh, the ears are already starting to hang off the, the stock. Uh, and that's not a good sign. Uh, the, the big, uh, or the most common comparison was that when those ears start hanging off the stock, it's like a kink in, the, in a hose, in a water hose, a uh -huh. garden hose. Uh, water nutrients aren't going to be flowing into that corn ear as easily now. So, um, but really this is a story about uh, beans. August is uh, soybean month. Uh, that's when they're setting pots, filling pots. And uh, it's hot and dry, and there's nothing there to support it. So we think those yield, those bean count, those bean counts are going to come back. Those pod counts, rather, it's going to be those top cluster, that those top few clusters, uh, they're going to get uh, aborted. Uh, same thing in Iowa. Uh, a lot of very variability there. Uh, you had some really good fields that had a good start. Uh, then you had a lot of fields in between that are just really struggling. So you, you can't really say Iowa has a home run crop this year either uh, for both corn and soybeans because of the variability, and it all comes back to drought. I'd say there's a few other things going on, especially with beans. There's a lot of sudden death syndrome, uh, white mold, but really the story is about uh, how dry it is and how hot it is, and you start to see those leaves turning, and that means the plant is under stress. Uh, a lot of yellowing of leaves, a lot of leaves even turning brown. So that's not what you want to see this time of year. You want to see a big, thick, flat carpet of soybeans, and it's really dark green. It's not what we're seeing. High variability when you stand at the edge of the field and look in, and look into the field. That you could just tell uh, it's a field that's uh, struggling. So that was especially the case in West Central Iowa, North. Uh, excuse me. Yeah, West Central Iowa, Northwest Iowa, Southwest Iowa. Not as bad. They were okay. The, the story really was West Central Iowa. And you can see that on the drought monitor maps uh, it goes to the west central part of the state yeah. and then uh, yep. we ended up in uh, Rochester like I said uh, last night 
So we toured uh, most of, uh, uh, of, of Minnesota's uh, corn soybean region. And uh, same thing there, high variability, and it got worse as you moved east uh, because in, there's a big, big blotch of red on the drought maps in, in southeast Minnesota and all the way down into eastern uh, Iowa. And you can definitely tell that those crops were ready to quit. Uh, the story's kind of written on the corn and soybeans, uh, they're dropping pods. Uh, there were even uh, crop scouts that were checking pods when they were counting them, they were falling off. And, uh, when they when we, we pulled the plant and then we count all the pods on the plant and then the, be- the pods would fall off. They were already being poured. And that was <coughs> Minnesota yeah. and Iowa both. So I'd say, uh, but again, there were other fields that looked really good. Um, further west anyway in Minnesota and then when you move east uh, you clearly saw the conditions falling off for both corn beans. So I think uh, a lot of us got tired of hearing the term highly variable. We, we heard that term with every single crop report. Highly variable. So we're trying to come up with different synonyms here for variable. Uh, extreme right. variation or something. <laughs> but that, that's not... In a big crop year, you're not going to see that kind of variation. You're going to see consistency, right? You're going to see consistent yields, consistent health, and you know you're hitting a home run on a crop when it's consistent throughout the field. And that just wasn't the case this year. Uh, In so many fields, you stand at the road before you go in uh, to go pull the samples, and you can tell it was a field under stress because you can see where the lighter soils are in the field. Uh, It might be really good corn. in the good soil areas and in the heavier soils or the, the loam soils, for instance, but you could see where it turned into sandier, lighter soils because the corn would drop off. It'd be shorter. And so the tassels would be wavy uh, out of the field. And you could tell, oh, that, that low spot is a sandy soil. You know, a really strong crop year where you had cool temperatures and a lot of moisture, you would see evenness across the field. And that was not the case. Same for uh, soybeans. You can see in those yellow spots um, in the field, that's the lighter soil. In the darker green spots, that's the heavier soil where the field held on to the moisture and was able to carry that, those plants uh, further out into the, uh, into the growing season without having to abort pots. So that high variability uh, would indicate uh, this is not a home run of a crop. I think we know that, uh, but now we've got data behind it. And uh, I think we're going to see next year, next week, um, a drop in uh, crop conditions, absolutely. We'll see that in USDA's uh, crop uh, progress report. Um, so the big question is, how much is USDA going to pull off of their uh, corn soybean yields uh, in the September crop report? Uh, this crop tour uh, comes at a very important time because USDA is, uh, is collecting data uh, for the objective yield survey, which is where they actually go pull the ears and they weigh them and they do the uh, kernel counts and things like that for the September report. We don't, USDA doesn't do that for the August report or anything prior, obviously, because those, uh, that data isn't there to collect. Uh, so the, all the other yield uh, numbers the USDA puts out for corn and beans are model-based. The September report will be the first one that is data-based from yields, uh, the objective yield survey. So this is kind of a precursor to what USDA is going to do. And so we have a good uh, baseline, I think, or a good indication of what USDA is going to do in the September report. And the conditions are clearly dropping. 
uh, for corn and beans both. So that would indicate that we're going to see a big drop in uh, the yield uh, estimate by USDA in September. Right on. And what would your expectation be? Are you, are you talking a couple bushels an acre or are you talking more than that? Yes. I think they're going to take at least a couple bushels off of corn and beans. They're going to have to take off at least two. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would say that at least. Uh, based on those okay. that we're seeing because we saw the pods dropping off the plants as we were counting. Those, those okay. bean pods are being aborted right now. And uh, so they're going to have to take yield off of soybeans. They're going to have to because if if USDA is doing their objective surveys right now, that's what they're seeing. And we had people Mm -hmm. on the people from USDA on the crop tour. And I'll I'll, I I rode with with some people from USDA uh, on this crop tour. I'll tell you, these guys are smart. These folks know what they're doing. My respect for USDA went up because when you're sitting in a car for eight hours. Talking about USDA's methodology, you just feel like a little man. You're, you guys have so much data. I, I have nothing. You guys got it all. Right. They got the satellite data. They have the objective yield survey. They're, they're doing the crop. They participate in the pro-farmer crop tour as a check, uh, as a double blind uh, to try to uh-huh. – it's just thoroughness upon thoroughness that USDA does. So I'm absolutely positive that USDA is going to – have a uh, much more thorough uh, number, uh, inter database number in the September report that shows uh, satellite imagery and the health of the crops. Uh, it's really interesting some of the stories that these guys have about what data they're pulling. Uh, they can tell the infrared, uh, the infrared spectrum is different for each crop, and so they can measure the greenness for soybean versus corn versus wheat. Really, quite fascinating. And uh, we sat in the back of the, or we, st- we were at the back of the uh, pickup at the tailgate now after we were pulling some corn and soybean samples. And a uh, guy from the USDA pulled out his huge maps that he had printed out of uh, crop health uh, for uh, for the region. I mean, it took up the entire, I mean, stretched from the back of the pit, across the back of the, of the bed of the pickup. Huge maps. And he was pointing out where we were. Uh, in what county? He's like, yep, this is at, this is lining up with what we're seeing on the satellite imagery. What I'm pulling out in the field right now on the Pro Farmer Crop Tour is just to help me uh, tie in with what I'm seeing from the satellite maps, just to just to make sure it, it is indeed, indeed lining up. So they've got they're going to have some really good data um, in the September report. Um, I know people love to beat up on USDA. I, I'm not one of those people. Um, I'm pretty impressed with what USDA's got going on. So, um, at any rate, I fully anticipate USDA with their wealth of data from satellite imagery, from the, uh, from the objective yield survey, from their participation uh, in the, uh, the crop tour that they're going to be pulling yield down for both corn and beans. I mean, we had those conversations with the, with the guys from USDA. They see it. They were out in the field sweating yeah. just like us. They were seeing the pods fall off the plant just like us, uh, the rest of us. The, yep. Those yields have to be it's going to be good. Yep. Okay. All right, let's talk about a little bit what you see happening with, um, obviously, we'll kind of tie this back into, into what we see corn corn prices at right now where, and where um, soybean prices are. If you take a look at what you've seen happen over the course of the week, um, it seems like the the more um, variability that we saw in the in the corn report that came out, 
the more corn reacted to the downside, and then, um, but we've seen some movement in, in soybeans. But <clears throat> as you look at uh, what's going on in, in Russia right now, and Russia just really seems like they're just pulling away from the world when you start when they start talking about what they're going to do with wheat and those kind of things. We've seen a couple of meetings they've had where did, nothing came out of it, and it's just you know getting that getting uh, wheat into Africa and those kind of things are just kind of falling off the table. They kind of stuck to their guns with this weaponizing uh, food thing to get people to come to the table. So I guess as you're looking at this, Tanner, in the uh, the direction that we see uh, Russia going and, and the, the role that they're playing in world wheat right now, what are your thoughts there and, and how do you think that's impacting what we see happen in the grain market? I think that's uh, what's holding us down right now on uh, price because uh, the market is paying attention to what's going on with the crop tour and if there's any mm-hmm. uh, indication of, if there's any signal to the market about what prices should be doing, they should be going up because we were not ha- we were concerned. We were very clear in everything I was writing uh, and everything that all the, uh, the the news reporters were writing and everything that was being reported by Pro Farmer. Everybody was talking about how bad it was and prices were not really responding to that, not like you think. So there's other factors going on. We don't live in a vacuum of uh, right. pro-farmer down, uh, where it's just pro-farmer driving uh, the crop, tra- crop to a pro- driving price. There's all these factors you mentioned. You have Russia, you have some of the macro issues, like the dollar uh, has been strong. Uh, that's really been weighing on commodities, all commodities, not just uh, the grains and oil seeds. But then, as you pointed out, Casey, you got Russia. And Russia is just pounding the world market right now with so much wheat. And they've got you know, other, other grains uh, as well, but it's really wheat right now, and they are um, they're harvesting a, the third biggest, perhaps even second biggest crop on record. Uh, in addition to uh, the record large carryover that they have from last year's huge harvest. Okay, so you've got a big harvest with big carryover. Add into this, you've got the weak ruble, which is down about thirty percent for the year. So if you're buying commodities from uh, Russia, whether it's wheat or corn or uh, barley or crude oil or natural gas, it doesn't matter what it is. If you're buying anything from Russia right now, it's 30% off because the, right. the ruble is down 30%. It's on fire sale. It's like a thrift shop pulling all, putting all the merchandise on the sidewalk, on clearance. You know, almost, all, right. It all has to go today. You know, One of those type deals. That's what it's like right now dealing with this headwind of uh, Russian grain exports. It's, uh, they're abundant and relatively cheap. So that, I think, is, has been a huge story here that's been holding down commodities, especially wheat. Uh, but I think that's also translating over into uh, corn and soybeans as well. Wheat has kind of been this anchor uh, because of you know, this anchor for the, for the commodities. Uh, now, that being said, you know, uh, there's some other things going on out there. Some, there can, uh, some concern about rice, again, there's in the headline that India may impose even further restrictions on exports. Yeah. Uh, that's bullish. Uh, we clearly have um, you know, drought concerns in the Midwest. And I think uh, as USDA you know, comes out with their report, I think that's going to have a fl- stronger floor under prices as well. Uh, but really, it's these macro issues here. Uh, that are dominating uh, the trade, and that is really this, the strong dollar that's, that's making the U.S. non-competitive, especially when you get places like uh, Russia and Brazil, can't forget about them, uh, really uh, 
pulling world markets, uh, world prices under. Uh, just a moment on Brazil, they, uh, they're they still priced well into the United States. They've got a lot of soybeans they're still shipping. Uh, yeah. They harvested uh, months ago. And they've got a lot of safrina corn, a mega safrina uh, corn crop, uh, record large, that they're still exporting. And so when you've got Russia exporting cheap, relatively cheap wheat in great abundance right now, uh, Brazil still exporting corn and soybeans at a record large pace, it's hard to find a bullish story right now for the U.S., even when we have dropped right in the middle of our growing season. Okay, So I think those global factors are overshadowing what's happening right here at home. And uh, it's, it's important to take that global view because we all get what do they call backyard-itis. We're looking mm-hmm. at what's going on in the United States, what's going on right here, and saying, why aren't prices going up? Well, look at Brazil and Russia. That's the reason. And it's frustrating yeah. for a lot of for farmers especially. Uh, we're yep. looking at what's going on with the weather, and they're looking at their back door, looking at uh, their their crops suffering, and they're seeing prices not responding. Oh, we live in a much more global world, global market now than we've ever have. Yeah, yep. All right, so let's take a look. One more thing, and we'll wrap it up on this. You're look. You hit on another thing I was talking about with uh, with a guest earlier today on a different podcast, but. When you look at what's going on in the energy sector, um, a lot of uh, movement there when you see what's happening with, with Russia and what they're putting out there on the market, what uh, OPEC countries have decided to do as far as uh, supply goes. And when you're looking at, um, we spent most of the summer and spring with a uh, oil price kind of banging around in the 70s, and now we're doing the same thing with an oil price that's banging around in the 80s. So uh, we're kind of stuck in this another frame here. So I guess as you're looking at at energy right now, what are your thoughts there, and and what do you kind of what's your thoughts as you kind of look out into the future here? Well, energy is not my main focus, but it does impact uh, the grains and oil seeds for sure. And you've got this <laughs> slowing global economy uh, that's overhanging yeah. this, especially all the troubles that we keep reading about in China. Uh, yeah, you know we, we, that's been beat beat that's been that story's been beat quite a bit. <laughs> but uh, China is of great concern. They're the second biggest economy in the world. Uh, the biggest commodity importer uh, in the world. And so when you have that overhanging the market, this concern about the Chinese economy, about how bad is it really, um, well, then that's going to be bearish on commodities because they're going to be moving all commodities. They're so huge. They're the biggest buyer almost all, all these. If, if not, they're the biggest, they're the second biggest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they're driving so much of the story here in the energy markets. And even though... Uh, OPEC is trying to dial things back. Is it really making much of an impact? Because demand is going to be going down anyway. So they're so they're just trying to be in line with demand. Is what they're doing. And so uh, with the slowing global economy uh, and uh, the troubles in China, plus here in the U.S., the biggest uh, economy in the world, interest rates are going to be elevated for quite some time. There's still even some risk of, a, of uh, the Fed bumping interest rates one more time, even in September. Uh, I don't think that's off the table. I think that's a distinct possibility. And uh, when you have those factors, it creates a bit of a more of a bearish story longer term, at least for the remainder of the year for, for energy. And, uh, you know, you've seen, uh, you know, our, our economy slowing down as well. Our fuel demand, therefore, is going to slow down. And so that's going to be uh, bearish on energy prices. Uh, we've seen it in fertilizer. Uh, 
fertilizer is going to be tied very closely with what goes on in crude oil, especially natural gas. And uh, fertilizer prices have come down. So that's the positive here. Uh, farmers are going to be heading into 2024 uh, with, on a much improved uh, position when it comes to securing fertilizer. So uh, I signed with one farmer on the crop tour, and he says his fertilizer bill has, cut, has been cut in half. So this is a yeah. positive story, right? Uh, yep. In addition to fuel prices coming down. So uh, I think there's a positive there, uh, at least on the cost side. Uh, for agriculture, not so much on the revenue side because when when crude oil prices are down, that usually pulls down our commodity prices like corn. And yeah. Yep. Yeah, for sure. All of them. Yeah, all of them get pulled down. Yeah, exactly right. So, all right, Tanner, good stuff. Uh, folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what it is you're doing at um, CoBank. What's the best way to do that? Uh, they go to our, co- our, our website, cobank.com, C-O-B-A-N-K.com. Right on. And you're gonna, are you going to post some of your thoughts uh, about this crop tour on cobank.com? Yes. Uh, well, I've been posting all week on LinkedIn. Uh, we'll be re- mm-hmm. uh, re- releasing a research brief uh, next week. Today's Friday, so we're going to get it on next week. Uh, and make that right. available to folks where they can read it on our website. And you're, you're at Tenor M. Key. Tanner M. Key on Twitter and uh, LinkedIn, right? Yep. All right, on. Check him out there. He posts some good stuff out there from time to time, folks. Stuff will blow your mind. So check it out. Right. Tanner, appreciate you being on the podcast, man. Look forward to the next, uh, next time we get around and do this. All right. Thanks, Casey. I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Go to LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast. Check out the video version over on the YouTube channel, which is the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel, and go to movingironllc.com for everything Moving Iron related. So with that, I am Casey Seymour with Tanner Emke. Let's go with some iron folks out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron. In the 21st century Hard-working people Working hard for you and me Moving higher Time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Moving higher